I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. Shh. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Check, check, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's as far as we get with numbers <laughs> under the Betsy DeVos education. <laughs> Very close. Is that better? Better. How do you say your last name? St. Ange. And first name's okay. Casey, in case, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. people are like, oh, it's Cassie Casey. St. Ange. <laughs> All French. Okay. Fully French. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> I mean... Hi. 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 And hi, everybody um, viewing from YouTube or wherever you're viewing from. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. And I am so excited that you are here. And the you, for those that don't have visual, I am sitting across from See, and now you got in my head. I'm going to be like, oh, Lynn's lovely. Cassie, no, Casey, what, what, what? Casey, Saint Orange. There you go. Did perfect. I do it correctly? Yeah, that was okay. more than perfect. So she, so she is probably one of my favorite people in the world. And she just had <sighs> Busy Philip show, which is sadly no more, which I want to get into. But you for been, now, I mean, but you, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I just read this morning that you guys are looking for a new home, which I'm so stoked yeah, about. Uh, yeah. Um, but you've been a showrunner and producer of, of what I like to consider like intellectual entertainment late night. Nice. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. As, I mean, that does that that might also just sound rude. <laughs> I, I I don't mean it to. No, I think it's. I think that's. Uh, I always think of it as exceedingly stupid, but super fun and necessary. So how so? Because like, what? Why would you think that? Well, I think that you know, I come from um, my first job was at the Late Show with David Letterman, mm -hmm. and as we know, he's an incredibly self-effacing guy, and so he's he was so so smart, but the comedy was so absurdly yeah silly, yes. which um you know I think I think that was the point to have silliness. So that's always sort of just been my goal to to like work in a place where there was a nice conversation happening one second and then something very, very silly and dumb happening the next second. I mean, stupid Petrics, right? The best, <laughs> the best, the best. Like I, I it's, it's funny. I was just, what was I watching yesterday? Um, oh, I was watching this obscure documentary about musicals that never made it. Oh, because they're so bad. Yeah. And one of the producers from Letterman, like, was he was like the go-to guy. Steve Young? 
I think that might was it bathtubs over Broadway's? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. 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 And they had a shot of him just walking backstage at the Letterman Theater. And I just remembered the two instances that I I got to go there and just remembering that green room and the the yellow um, cinder block. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that Ed Sullivan Theater. Lots of nooks and crannies there. Lots of rich Broadway history. But Steve is a friend of mine. He's so genius. I mean, it, it... a, I, I, I love a bad musical. I love any kind of musical. Last night, literally at a friend's house for Memorial Day, um, we were singing musicals for about like an hour and a half. Oh my gosh! I yeah, I love that. There's like that little uh, musical storyline in. Well, it's just it's really just one joke, but in Book Smart, <laughs> have you seen it yet? Oh, it's we're good. supposed to go tonight. But now I don't think we're going tonight. But I, uh, for fuck's sakes, it's like I barely have time to take a shower, let alone go see a movie. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I get that. I get that. I think everyone is feeling that. Yeah, we went to, we made it a point to go see it because we just had to squeeze it in. And um, yeah, there's like a little joke about musicals that I think you'll be like, yay. Okay. It's cute. Okay. Yeah. I look, I, th- th- there are so many movies that I know I need to see in addition, so many TV shows that I know I need to watch. And it just feels like it, instead of it becoming a joy, it's now become... It can be a real chore, right? You feel like you, you need to accomplish accomplish getting through whatever television and I think you and I both love entertainment so much and we have a lot of friends who work in entertainment so I'm sure you feel the way that I feel that sometimes like if even if I just tried to watch all the things that people that are friends of mine are involved with it would kill me yes yes that I I know I know. But what I'm grateful for, though, is that those said friends, that their friendship isn't um, conditional based upon whether or not I watch their stuff. Never contingent upon. (laughs) But I always want to. So I'm always like, you know, feeling like, oh, gosh, I have to binge this show or, you know, I have to I'm saving this all up to savor it. Um, But it's a lot to keep like living here in Los Angeles is a lot to keep track of like that, you know, being like, oh, okay, like this is this one's coming up. That one is not out yet. I can't even keep track of what's out yet versus what's not out because of how everybody watches everything now. Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) Like that's on. Oh, yay. Oh, no. And there's something that I miss about having to wait. Yeah. Which I find very ironic coming from me, who's probably one of the most impatient people in the world. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's the way that we grew up. And and it's a good exercise to be, you know, it's a good exercise in patience to wait for a week to see the thing that you want to see. And also some things like, I think there's a little bit of um like a learning curve happening because I, I'm sure you've sat and watched, like batch watched a TV show and sometimes they're just not meant to be watched yeah. in that way. Yeah. So you hit like this saturation point where you're like, and some shows are, you could sit down and watch, you know, six episodes, 12 episodes. and. But then my question would be this, right? 
what do you think that is where some TV shows are binge worthy versus some it's better to have it be weekly and, and not have that experience? Well, I think I really get down for like a, like a soapy serial, you know, campy drama. I love that. But those are, it's not that they're not binge worthy. I think they just trade so much in recapping the story and previewing something. And then so, so many times you sort of feel like, uh, you know, reality television is, is a lot uh, is similar in a lot of ways, just so much recap and so much foreshadowing that that's about half of the show really. So when you binge, when you, when you, when you watch a bunch of them at one time, then you're sort of like, Oh, like this is the thousandth time of seeing this recap or whatever. So those are the things that I think they're, they're not really designed to be watched in batches that way. They're meant to be watched once a week, but then also I think that there's, probably a lot of passive viewing going on with those things, particularly reality television. It's like laundry full. Yes. Yes. Television. Yes. Yes. I, I think I've maybe watched a half an episode one time of the real housewives. There you go. Like that's it. That was it. That's all. That was all. Yeah. I don't, I, I've never really understood reality TV. I've, I've never, felt like my life was so shitty that I wanted to watch someone else have a shittier quote unquote experience. Yeah. But I can understand that. But also within that too, it's, I just, I mean, I just don't get it. I, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> I really don't. I prefer La Lucci. <laughs> I prefer Susan Lucci, yeah, Erica Kane, sure. the, like, like her a, 17 marriages. A legit soap opera. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. I ha- have had an interesting experience where I love a competition show. So any kind of, you know, I started off with, you remember, well, maybe you might be a two too young to remember like the summer of survivor oh dude are you of course of course you do because it affected your career probably yeah yeah there you go so the summer of survivor (laughs) yeah exactly so the summer of survivor well that was like in response to like a a, the writer a guild strike Yeah. yeah so you know so that's when this sort of like reality competition television roared in and um i'll admit like i got super addicted to survivor that summer i remember like my husband and i were on Cape Cod and we would like rush back to our rental house so we wouldn't miss an episode of Survivor and I just had my older son was like a little a little guy and um so yeah so I was into that but I pretty much miss like the hills and you know all of all of those things I didn't watch but then I worked for many years with Andy Cohen at Watch What Happens Live and I came into that not being like a a super housewives watcher and then I watched for the job and then weirdly like got to know a lot of those women and like to know them as real people and so that was like an interesting spot to be in. So how real then is it? Very. <laughs> okay. So, because that's, because that's, because I think, I mean, the housewives, the housewives in particular, I think are slightly atrocious just <laughs> based upon like the, the, the gifts I've seen of like Lisa Renna, like throwing like wine in someone else's face and like tables getting upended, which like, 
I I can understand in a very Norma Desmond esque, sure, like larger than life, broad, yeah, you know, standing yeah. up for herself. But when that becomes the baseline, when the baseline yeah. is chaos, yeah, and there's no learning or evolution, and it doesn't seem to have an end, and it's just a quagmire of pretension and privilege and entitlement. Um, all for what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's interesting. It's interesting to me, like the whole phenomenon, how fascinated people are with so many, so many um friends, like people that I respect, professional actors and actresses um who <laughs> who are just like really really smart people are so they can they're so schooled and well versed in housewives and I'm always very fascinated because I'm like I wonder do they ever feel the heat like this is kind of like affecting like my career as a dramatic performer but I don't think anybody really feels that way and for sure like like I said this is like they are really I mean, I think some of them are very self-aware. They know that they're like a big personality and they're putting on a show. And, and I think there brand. is, yeah, and that there is some self-awareness there. But then there are some of them that I think they're like, this is just me and this is who I am. And they're not really aware. I don't think they they don't really put it together, like why they're so fascinating, fascinating and interesting to people and hilarious to people, because I know people find them really hilarious, too. Um, but it, yeah, it is interesting. It's really like, it's a very heightened, you know, like I, I kind of imagine, like sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like I couldn't imagine myself in like a, like a friendship situation where it would, where it would get heated like that. But then I know, like I know myself and I'm not a real housewife. It's because I'd like tap out before that happened, (laughs) you know, but, um, but I guess that's what people find. So I could definitely picture a situation like a family situation happening like that easily. And, you know, I'd imagine, I don't know. I I was going to say most families probably could imagine that, but I don't know, but I could definitely picture that happening with my family. Um, not my current family, like my, my past family of the past, um, my growing up family, family of origin. Yes. Yes. Uh, but it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. And then a lot of the women have done like kind of amazing things. Like it's, it's interesting because you're like, wow, you know, like it's kind of wild that they're they're just at each other and having these feuds and drama all the time and and like i said um some of it i think is just natural and some of it i think is you know probably them just being with each other and working so closely together and so you're kind of like you see them one way and then you see that well a great example is bethany frankel you know, she, she's a New York housewife. She became like this ultra super successful businesswoman. And then also like during all of the tragedy in Puerto Rico, when nobody was doing anything, chartered a bunch of planes to bring supplies to people in Puerto Rico. Okay. Like, so she, that's awesome. Yeah. Which is so cool. But then like, will she be at a cocktail party fighting with (laughs) one of her fellow housewives again when she returns from her next trip to Puerto Rico? Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. And, and, and not just, so like, give me a second. Yeah. Because I, I know that you, 
you grew up on the East Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Yes. And I know that you just moved to LA. Yeah, July and July. July. So it'll be a year that's coming up. Yeah. Um, how are you a finding the difference between New York and LA, and and just the experience of, you know, you were doing Andy Cohen's show for nine years. And then switched over to Busy Phillips show, yeah. which I want to hear more about uh, as well. Um, how did the flavors vary? Like, what has your experience and transition been like? You know, it's interesting. Like, you hear so much about the West Coast, or you hear so many cliched things about the West Coast, but it really is kind of true. Like, I think like driving here is a good example. Like I'm a pretty anxious driver. I would never drive in New York City. In Los Angeles, it's pretty gentle driving. You know, very rarely will anyone, you know, sort of road rage at you here, I find, compared to on the East Coast. Oh, Um, wow. And when they do, it's always a white guy in a Prius with peaceful bumper stickers. Or like Bernie 2020. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. You have to put that rage somewhere and it's at me. <laughs> We're fighting for the same lane. But um, yeah, so I just find it to be like pretty gentle. I think that, um, you know, it's a big change to go from like just commuting on trains and, and walking around everywhere to sort of like when I first came here, I was like, I felt so bad because I had to stop like going out to dinner with people because I was like, I literally just go from like meal to meal, which was so (laughs) nice to just be like, meet me for breakfast, meet me for lunch, meet me for dinner. You know, when I first got here and I was like, I'm so lucky to just that people want to get together and want to reach out and want to spend time with you, which is so nice because I feel like New York is that can be really hard to do. But then at some point I was like, can we just get a, beverage because this is my seventh meal of the day (laughs) (laughs) which is very you know again so nice that's pretty uh pretty classy problems to have yeah but um so yeah so there's that I think LA can be like really it's so fun when you have a lot to do but I hear from a lot of friends that it can be really isolating when you don't have a lot going on and so like I think I'm just sort of like easing into that like okay I don't have as much going on right now as I did you know a couple weeks ago and so what'll that be like and then I guess it just becomes a about like effective time management and we'll see if I have that. (laughs) We'll see if I have that. I don't know. I mean, what do people do? Like when you're an actor, what do you, what do you do? You start a podcast. There you go. Um, You start directing, you start producing, you start writing your own stuff. Yeah. I've just been like having a lot of meetings, you know, Okay, which I'm like, what it's, that's, that's a little bit of a different thing. Like, I feel like in New York, when someone wants to meet with you, it's about something, you know, it's like, this is why I'm meeting with yes. you because there's this X job. Do you want to do it? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Do we have a deal? Whereas LA, it's a lot more like, oh, I just wanted to meet you and chat with you and talk to you and see how we feel about each other. And then I'm like, cool. I like everyone. I like pretty much everyone. <laughs> so um, yeah, so a lot of that, but th- that's also nice. And and the, the, I mean, because I I feel like at least um, 
you know, late night, late night that's done in New York versus late night that's done in LA are two very different energies, I find. Yeah, least. for sure. I mean, I think that on the East Coast, it's, it's you know, well, certainly Watch What Happens Live was actually live at that time. So it was very late at night and sort of no holds barred. Um, anything that's done on the West Coast has to be like packaged up and ready to broadcast on the East Coast. It has yeah. to go pretty quickly. So it happens earlier in the day, which as like a long time TV writer and producer of this kind of television, the earlier in the day it is, it just like totally changes the vibe. Oh, that, you know what? I had never thought of that. That is super interesting. Because like, you know, even like with a small audience, you know, a larger audience, I'd imagine it sort of spreads even more. But like, it's interesting audiences take on whatever the most dominant, like, sort of flavor of the audience is. And, and, you know, so I've seen like audiences of 400, 600 people sort of be kind of flat for a show. Um, or, you know, an audience of 30 people can be like on fire or whatever. And I think there's something to like, if you're having an audience come at two or three in the afternoon, they've had to like duck out of work. And, you know, it it's really right in the middle of the day. And yeah. it doesn't feel like you should be like cutting loose and partying or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it is a little bit of a, it's a weird thing, you know. It's not exactly happy hour yet. Yeah. And it's like, you know, even like post afternoon, you know, you like your blood sugar's low. <laughs> you're like after your after your midday snack, you're just kind of like sleepy and yeah. waiting for the day to be exactly. over. I want a nap. Yeah, <laughs> I want a nap. I want my my sweatpants. Yeah, and all will be well. Yeah, wake up around seven. Yeah, so East Coast I think is like a little looser just because it's later in the day and everybody's like, well, this is like my last thing. Yes, yes, of that, the day. Th- those are some very good points. <laughs> And and has given me a lot. To, that's like that's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's interesting. And then there's all kinds of like just rules about like when, you know, when shows have to be edited by and when they have to be delivered to the broadcast center by to get like quality control check, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And so and particularly with late night shows, I'm sure they like keep a close eye on them because, you know, they're concerned that something will slip through quality control wise that they that they were hoping not to air so so speaking of quality control so busy phillips just um shared her very personal abortion story yes um on her show which i thought was incredibly commendable and incredibly brave and and also necessary yeah and what was there any pushback from E regarding that and what she was planning on doing? I don't I don't um well here's the thing. The show was the show was taped, was pre-taped, and um E our executives watched every day like via a link if they couldn't be there in person. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of was just a spontaneous thing. Um, I know it had been something that had been on her mind and we'd talked about it a lot as it was coming up um, in the news. And, um, you know, it, it's just something that she'd talked about before and uh, and had written about. And so we just see these bills like being signed and, you know, 
And the thing about the show Busy Tonight, and one thing that I loved about it, and I think that people really responded to is, well, people, it would always be, that show got a lot of press. In six months, it got a ton of press. And a lot of people pointed out that it was not, it was not a political show, Mm. which we weren't arguing that point. We never said the president's name on the show. That was by design. Everybody knows who the president is. Everybody knows what's happening. And I think almost to like, just use it for like throwaway fodder, a thing that was like hurting, that is hurting so many people so much, um, almost like cheapened kind of what we felt like our job was to do there. Um, So we weren't, we weren't a partisan political show. So we weren't coming out like, you know, calling him orange or tiny hands or whatever, Mm -hmm. because like that stuff is all out there. It all already exists. And we weren't coming out doing like deep dive, hard political pieces on things because that is Samantha B's job. She's Mm -hmm. excellent at it. Um, We want you to watch Samantha B doing that. But the show is never not political because being a woman with a late night talk show is political and being a woman in the United States is political. So when we talked about things, when we joked about things about periods and how there's like a tampon tax and how poverty is sexist and, you know, those things are definitely 100% political. They're just not partisan political. They affect every woman regardless of, of who she who she votes for um, and where her ideologies align. So, so there's that. So, um, you know, it was, it was not a thing that we were because the, because these abortion laws were, were coming up and, you know, they're mostly sponsored by Republican leadership, all sponsored by Republican leadership. Um, We weren't really, it wasn't really like an area that we were going to on the show, but the more and more it piled up, you know, the more it, our, our team was like 92% women. And so, and I think it was something that everybody was just feeling. And, and I think busy could, see that and was feeling it the most as somebody that had some personal experience with it. So she really just wanted to like tell her own story just to say, like not even think one way or another way, just to say, you might think you don't know anyone who's ever been through this, but you know me and you know, and by the way, one in four women that, you know, this is the case for them. So when you're saying what you have to say or evaluating what you think about all of this, keep in mind that, you know, just at your own dinner table, if you have four women at your dinner table, chances are one of them will go through this before she's 45 years old. So, um, so it just sort of was like, you know, we were in the control room, we had the show all ready to go. And then we, our phones light up and we see that this thing is happening And she was just like, I'm just going to talk about it, you know? And so she was like, what should I say? And I was like, I would just, you know, keep it short and make it personal to you because that's what you have the most authority to speak on. And, um, and she did, and I think she did beautifully and he didn't really say anything at all about it. So, you know, they, they definitely could have said like, come back to us and said, by the way, we want all of that cut out of the show because we had, you know, we would have had time to cut it out and they did not. So. Okay. And so what is happening? I mean, it, it frustrates me to no end. I mean, considering that 
I've seen nothing but positive things for yeah. that show. Yeah. Continuously. Yeah. You know, um, and it, it seems like it's a show that brings a lot of joy and is unique in that way. It's almost like what Rosie Adal yes. did. Yes. Um, which I know that you worked on that yes. show, which is how you and I, was that how you and I yeah, first met? You was were on so Rosie little. Show. Yeah, you were such a yeah. little kid. I was like 12. Yeah. Yeah. Such a little kid. And I remember that you were like hanging out backstage and you were going to be a guest on the show. And we were talking about nail polish and Entenmann's cookies. Yeah. Well, because I feel like I I came on twice. Yeah. I came on for the pilot episode that didn't even air. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I ironically think that Susan Lucci was also on that show. Probably. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. You have pilot. better memory than I do. And I, I, my, my dad had worked at Entman's bakery. Yes. And I knew that Rosie was a fan of Entman's. Yes. And so I remember bringing her like this massive box. Oh my gosh. And so then the next cute. time I was 16 when I came on, for, for Rosie. For, oh my God. Yeah, for I think Now and Again. Okay. I think I was promoting Now and Again. Okay. Which only lasted a season. Um, yeah, and I had failed my driving test twice. <laughs> and was talking with her about it. Um, or I, I failed it three times. I failed it an absurd amount of times. And I spoke about it on that show. And then... I went to take my driver's test again and they passed me just barely. And they said, please don't talk about us on Rosie O'Connell <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I kid you not. That is hilarious. Well, I'm glad that she was able to help you get your driver's license. I, I am too. That's and what she was all about, you know? But so like the, but so that's the that's the kind of joy that I see coming from busy tonight. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that was the intention that Rosie had. And I, I actually just sent her like a little message, you know, as all this was going on and just saying like, you know, I'm so bummed out, you never got to come on this show, we're gonna try to do it somewhere else. And, you know, but just know that like how much of your influence on me, really, like, not just not just the kind of show that I wanted to make, but also like the kind of life that I wanted to lead. Because in a lot of ways, like she, you know, in all the ways, you know, she really gave me my biggest break and really just made a big impression. Oh, shoot. That's my. Oh, good. No worries. Um, she... We have someone ringing the doorbell. <laughs> she just made a huge impression on me. Um about like the kind of things that I wanted to put into the world as like a creator. And, um, you know, and, and she did it on daytime television in a way that people hadn't really gotten to enjoy in a long time. And I think that she sort of like reinvented. I think ever. Yeah. Really? Maybe. Ever. True. Because I, I think of the shows from like the fifth, like the Jack Parr show, you know, yes, what, yeah. the, the Mike Douglas show, yeah. I think about. Um, Which she loved Mike Douglas. But, you know, she really like brought the wackiness, like the Lucille, like she brought Lucille yes. Ball to like daytime talk. And a, and a sense of, of genuine warmth and affection. Like I remember the, what were those things? Koosh balls. Yes, yes, the koosh balls that she would like shoot out at people. Yeah. And I remember the big carousel in the back. Yes. Um, 
because it was just so there was there was a lightness and a joy and a brightness that yes. she brought yes. naturally. Yes, I feel yes. like she seemed to be genuinely happy to be there. Yeah, she really I think she really was. And it's interesting, you know, because again, like, here's a woman like talk about, you know, just what we're talking about, about mm. like, being political or not political. Here's a woman that I think people think is like very opinionated and very outspoken about things. But also like, okay, you know, like, okay. Yeah, when she had Tom Selleck on. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it would sort of shock people sometimes that she had opinions and strong opinions on things. But think about like, think about her life. Like she's a, a gay woman trying to, you know, uh, adopt children and raise these children in like such an uncertain time way before gay marriage was legal way and before coming out she wasn't out yeah i mean and that's like the thing like she was living her life and i don't think she was i don't think she ever was really in either um but she you know but it was like this agreement, I guess, a you know, agreement. sort of with like, yeah. like a, a silent agreement. Don't ask, with, don't tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so she wasn't necessarily like coming out until she did. Yeah. Um, Until she felt like she really like, like it would help more people for her to come out than it would hurt more people. And um, but also like knowing the whole time, like, shoot, if someone wanted to like, follow me around and figure out what I was doing and do like a big story on it. It could really like maybe blow this whole thing, you know? Um, I'm sure. Or I don't know that that would have happened, but I can only imagine that you would feel like that could happen uh, during those times. You know, I remember times when like, you know, we would have, I, I won't name names, but we would have guests that we knew clearly were like homophobic guests and to have to sit across from that person and be like, okay, tell me about your new movie. And we'll talk off, off air <laughs> yeah. about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so to be like, oh, here's your action figure. It's so cute. And then just be like, I, if it was me, I'd be like shitting bricks, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, that's, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have a talk show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, I, yeah, it, it's a, it's a thing. I, uh, I mean, especially then I feel like, I mean, always there's that, okay, we're going to give you one of your biggest stars to come on your show and right. exchange for that, blah, blah, right. blah, 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 right. you know, um, and you have advertisers that you right. need to appeal to. You have like a quote unquote base yeah everybody has a base yeah and a huge production company that yeah you know and as you know all of those things are like so interdependent yeah. on each other and you know so sometimes it's funny because you think oh this person has a show whatever they're so powerful but sometimes not as powerful as you think to like make choices or whatever yeah and then also it was a different time too so i'm sure Maybe. I, I don't know. I always like I always just admired her so much because I'm like, 
she was brave to just sit there and talk to people that like, if they knew her whole story might not have been willing to sit down and talk to her. I don't know. Um, But also like, it's kind of cool. Like the jokes on them, you know what I mean? Like Mm. you come and enjoy yourself with this person that like you claim to not have any respect for the way that they live their lives and the way that they were born. And so, you know, it's kind of like, points out the absurdity of that whole stance. I get it. I get that. I get that. But also sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you can't <laughs> hold your tongue when Tom Selleck is there. And then, I mean, yeah, that, that, I, it, it's funny, the things that we remember. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> will you tell the story that you told me before we started recording this about our two, ex- <laughs> well, because I feel like it just... How old must you have been? Like, I feel like you were a young adult woman. Okay, so we met each other two times at the Rosie O'Donnell show. Mm -hmm. Most memorable was when you were 12, probably 12 Mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. And you were on Roseanne. And then also another time when you were 16. But then another time, this is post Rosie O'Donnell show, because I must have been working at some show that was shooting downtown. I was probably working for some small cable network or whatever. Um... But I just know that we were in, we were downtown on, I think, Canal Street in New York City, walking toward each other. I didn't realize it was you, but we were just walking toward each other, like two strangers passing by each other in New York City. And then there was like a sound from above. And so we both stopped, like, what's that sound? And then like right between us, this rat, like... (laughs) skittered down an awning and fell onto the pavement between us and then like shook it off and ran away and you were like did you just see that and I was like that was messed up and then we just like kept walking in opposite directions but then I was like oh that was that girl Heather that's so it's I feel like such perfect symbolism just for living in New York a runaway rat I mean not even a runaway just like a a suicidal rat. <laughs> Clumsy rat. Like, you know, got saved by an awning. It was like, all right. All right. I guess I'll try and find some pizza. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was Pizza Rat's grandfather. <laughs> yeah, you see all I sacrificed so you could go into the subway and get some pizza. You see all I have to do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so funny. Uh so did you know that you, like, what was your journey into late night? Like, was that where you wanted to be, where you were like, I want to be a late night writer? I don't know. I don't think, I think like, I don't know. I wish I could say that I really chose it um, as opposed to like sort of just finding a groove there and, and getting comfortable. Um, I The whole reason I ever wanted to work in TV was because I was a huge fan of The Muppet Show when I was a kid. And <laughs> so I, that's that's all. That's the only reason why I was like, like I when I was a kid, I thought that The Muppet Show was a real show. Like that, I thought that was a real production going on and not like a show of a show. I sound so high right now. Um, <laughs> and so that that was like a process of recognition. I was like, I want to work with the Muppets, like as beings. And then as I gradually like got hip to what was going on, I was like, oh, this is a show that is being performed by people and people work on it. I want to work 
on a TV show like okay. that. So I think that late night is probably like, you know, kind of that's kind of you're dealing with real live Muppets, the most similar <laughs> to a Muppet show type situation. So yeah, so I worked at Letterman was my first job after college. And I was there for a few years. And um, I worked in Dave's office, I was one of his assistants. And that's where I learned how to write jokes and how to do everything. Because I got to see everything like through his eyes, sort of. Um, and he's the guy who everything had to pass through in order to make it happen on the show. Um, and then I left to work at the Rosie O'Donnell show when that, which was not a late night show. It was a daytime show, but yes. it's very much late night in format. Yeah. Um, and I was there for six years as a writer. And then I worked on a bunch of other shows, including um, I worked on Graham Norton's American show, which was also a late night show when he was here. I love Graham. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for what Graham Norton. I don't know. You guys know Graham Norton. You love him. Um, I'm so happy for what he's done with his life because he's like really like the face of the BBC. He's like the Ryan Seacrest of the BBC, I feel like. <laughs> he, you know, there was a time when I feel like he really wanted to break into American television yeah. and it didn't happen in the way that he wanted it to happen. And he just went back and did everything that he thought was fun, which he was always so great at. But also now he like writes like novels and he has like his own like wine and liquor brand or whatever and it's just everything he loves and like that guy really knows how to live life and I just love him so much he has dogs like I remember him loving dogs so much when I worked for him and I was like why don't you have a dog and he was like I just I'm not there yet like I'm not at a point yet where I could have a dog and I remember being like imagine being that self-aware that you would be like oh I'm not ready to have a oh, dog yeah. yet yeah and so he would just always like be hanging up pictures of dogs like cute dogs and now he owns dogs and I'm just so happy for him. I love that guy. <laughs> um, so Graham Norton and then, yeah, then I was like at this show Best Week Ever, which wasn't really late night. It was more like a, this composite show that was very popular with college kids. But it's where I got to meet just everybody who is cool in comedy yeah. nowadays, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And work with all those people when they were kids. Um and it's so funny. I love to tell stories about how like people that are like super famous now when they were trying to get on Best Week Ever, like and I would help. I would like I would interview them and audition them to cast them and and be like, we really got to put this kid on the show. And sometimes they'd be like, I don't know about this kid. I don't know. And I'd be like, I'm going to quit if you don't put him on. Give like, us give us a story. Well, I mean, you know, the the. Young John Mulaney, I think, was one of, you know, I he's one of the guys that I brought in on a recommendation from Nick Kroll, surprise, surprise, who's already like a, a panelist on the show and um, put him on tape. And I thought he was so funny and I loved like writing stuff for him and and he was so great and just made everything his own. And I really loved it. And uh, and then I don't know, he just wasn't like getting put on the show. And I was like, why are we putting him on the show? You know, and, and people are just like, oh, we don't know. Like, we, I don't know. Like, he might he might not be right. And I was like, if he's not right for this show, I don't know what I'm even doing here. So like, just if you don't want to put him on, then 
I guess I'm out of here. And then they're like, fine, fine. We'll put him, we'll put him on. But, um, and of course he wound up being great, but um, I have really fond memories of, he would like, because the way that we would do it is they would come in and sit in this little room and we would um, throw out questions to them about things that we were going to planning to do like little stories on and they would riff. And then sometimes like, you know, I would write a bunch of jokes that I would suggest for certain people. And I was really into that because I loved writing for like the individual performers. That was super fun to like switch up voice like that. And, um, but, but he would come in for his little interview and like while the cameras were rolling would be like um just before we begin i would like to read the hateful internet comments that people made about me on this show last week (laughs) (laughs) so he would just be like uh john mulaney you squinty-eyed bastard you're ruining my favorite show get off (laughs) and then he'd be like there's just a couple more hold on And it would make me laugh so hard that he'd just be like, I just want to make sure that you all know that I read these and also you have to hear them too. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, I mean, that just makes me think of uh, celebrity mean tweets. Yes, yes. Like it was a thing before it was a thing. It basically was like a thing. Yeah. So funny. Um, Yeah. So all those guys, Christian Finnegan, Nick Kroll, Rob Hubel, Jessica St. Clair, Frangela, Mike Britt, Chuck Nice, Melissa Rausch, all those. I just love those people all so much. Paul F. Tompkins, of course, um, the best ever. I'm sure I'm leaving out a million people, but all great. All great. Amanda Seals from... uh, Insecure was one of our panelists. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then and then I went to watch what happens live. Yeah. Um, and then made this one more switch to where you are now. Yeah, yeah. Which was just sort of like, um, you know, I'd been at Watch What Happens Live for nine years, which is a really long time for any job. And um I stayed there for so long just because Andy was a great guy. Um, he is a great guy, and he was so easy to work with because he has done every job that everyone's done on a show pretty much or knows what you know or could easily do it and so he just had an understanding of like how it goes like making a tv show and he you know and also from the network executive side so it was just like a perfect storm of of easiness uh to put together this fun show um that was a fun time but i will say like after nine years of like shooting a show at 11 p.m that's like you know it's kind of like i used to always say it's like working in a hospital like it's working it's like working the you know four to midnight shift shift in a hospital yeah um so it sort of shifts your whole life and also like after nine years that show is what it's gonna be and it you know and it's great and it was time for me to like let somebody take over what i was doing and you know do what they they bring to the table to do with it and um i got this cool opportunity to come and make the show with busy and tina phil uh, i'm sorry with busy phillips and tina fey and um out here in la so you know, and I heard you said no originally. Yeah, I mean, at first I was kind of like, like I got called in to meet with the guy that runs Tina's production company, this guy Eric Gurian, who's so cool, and he um, has worked with her 
uh, since Saturday Night Live days, like he he was a kid working on Saturday Night Live. And so he's been there for all of 30 Rock and all of Kimmy Schmidt. And um, Busy called me and was like, hey, I got this talk show. Tina Fey is going to produce it. Um, her production company, Little Stranger, is going to produce it. Do you want to be the showrunner? And I was like, wow, that's like a lot. You know, that's yeah. like to to pick up and move for this. And um and she was like, well, just go in and like talk to them or whatever. So she and I like had brunch or whatever. Then I went in and met with Eric. And I went in with like a list of people that I was recommending for the job, like people that would be great for it. Um, <laughs> and uh, out here who lived out here in L.A. And we just talked a lot about it. And I was like, I'll tell you everything I know because Abe is he's my friend. I want her to be successful and I'll do whatever I can to make her successful doing this. Um, But also like, it's cool. Like it was super cool for me that a woman was getting a late night show. And so there was a part of me that was like, you know, well, I want this to be a success on that level as well. And then, yeah, I just met with them a few times. And every time I was like, did you call this person? Did you call that person? And they were like, you know, it'd be super cool if you just did it. And so, yeah. So, and then I was like, well, I'll talk to my family. And like, surprisingly, for the most part, <laughs> my family was like, yeah, let's do this, you know? Okay. And are you guys planning on staying? Yeah. My younger son is in high school still. So he still has a year left to go and he'd okay. like to graduate from high school in the high school he's in now. So I think that's, that's a good sign that he he's enjoying himself that much. And my husband really loves it here. So that's nice. And um, so, yeah, so we're going to figure it out, stay out here. And obviously like I want to keep working with busy and trying to figure out something with this show, because I think it is something that, people really responded to even though it didn't quite work out in that home yeah um for whatever reason i don't know i think like television's changing so much and yeah it was very (laughs) it was interesting because like i got a call you know sort of in like the last weeks of the show and it was my first boss david letterman's team um being like dave's coming out to town like maybe he could do the show and i was like he's actually going to get here the week after um, our last show. So sadly we, and so everybody was like, what can he do? You know, whatever. And so, you know, we, we were like, he can send a little tape or whatever, like just a little tape, like whatever he wants to say. I had a feeling what he would want to say. But so, that show and you know and you do a great job and and it was really nice because a lot of people had said over the course of the show that that busy show reminded them of dave's morning show like Mm. his prototype for you know um so so that was nice and like a, a little bit of a full circle moment and then just the other day i was like having a meeting um somewhere and dave is in town uh as i had heard and he like came in to the into the place where I was having coffee. And so I was like, Oh, hi. <laughs> and so we just chatted for a minute. And he was like, what do you think? Like, what do you think of all this? And I was like, I guess I think it's that like, sometimes you just have to adjust your, not your expectations, because I don't expect anything, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't feel entitled to anything. But I think that we were wanting 
something that might not exist anymore, you know, um, or just this, like, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's ever going to be a tonight show with a woman host. I don't know if there's ever going to be a late show with a woman host. I think that, you know, I'm excited for a Lily Singh's shows coming is coming up. She's going to take over for Carson Daly. Mm-hmm. That's at one thirty in the morning. And I'm really, really rooting for her, mm-hmm. but I just don't know. I just don't know that by the time, by the time women wield enough influence in this world to maybe step into one of those roles as those roles are declining in popularity. I don't know that it'll exist to step into in the way that we hoped. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, that, that, that does make sense. I mean, not for fuck's sakes, just thinking about it makes my mind, my brain just melt. Yeah. Um, in the, I feel that things are changing. I mean, within our industry, within the world yeah. itself, so quickly, and and that I can barely keep up. Yeah. And and I I see you know like Joel McHale, um, had his show that was on Netflix that yeah. got canceled. Yeah. And there was like another show that Michelle I think was. Wolf. Yeah, that got yeah. canceled as well. Yeah, and so I guess it's also that question of does late night still fit into that mold right. of like who are the individuals that are watching late night? Right. Why are they watching late night? Right. And what is it that is being satiated? Right. You know, um, <clears throat> and I really think. You know, at, at least for me, I mean, I don't even have cable anymore. There you go. You know, so, um, <clears throat> but in terms of, like, I will go to Samantha B for comfort. Yes, yeah. Like, I will go to her for comfort because I trust her. Yes. I trust what she has to say. I think she's super funny. And yeah. I, um, I can, you can feel her empathy. Yes. I definitely don't get that with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> yeah. In I mean, any way, shape or form. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, Samantha B like really is my go-to and also like by extension, um, busy because she has, I feel like that, uh, she has that same feeling for lack of a better word. Um, there's just a little like there's some more unicorns. There's like yeah. a little, there's a little more magic. Yeah. Whereas I think that Samantha B is very, she's funny and pointed and grounded. Yes. And busy. I feel brings more youthful, joyful optimism and glitter and fairy dust. Yeah. It's just a little like fun energy because she's having, you know, she's not trying to make like an overarching point um, which we yeah discussed yeah. earlier it's yeah. not it's not a political show right you know um <clears throat> yeah i just uh, 
It's interesting. I think it's changing. I think everything's, you know, so here, like, I, I think that I probably had this fantasy of like, and, you know, I worked for Joan Rivers for years. I wrote comedy for Joan Rivers for years. And so we had talked about this so, so much. And, you know, she had her show on Fox and after being like Johnny's guest host forever, um, you know, and not much has changed since yeah. she had that show. And so many women have gotten up to, up to bat, um, you know, Monique and, and Wanda Sykes and gosh, who else? I don't know. I mean, Chelsea Handler. Yeah. Chelsea Handler. And, you know, and I, I would argue Chelsea was the most successful out of absolutely out of anyone doing this. And then she just had this show that that didn't make it, you know, um, on a streaming platform. So I think it's about like recalibrating what we're thinking of, because I just don't know like how much longer. I don't know if late night will be a thing long enough for a woman to ramp up to the amount of power you where think someone it's in decline late night in general. I think so. I think yeah. just because the audience is so fractured and because of how people watch television now, yeah. um, you know, we were, we were laughing because uh, one of our writers at busy brought up that someone um, was telling her like, Oh, I'm such a big fan of the show. And she was like, Oh, what's your favorite thing that you've seen on the show? And the person was like, Oh, I've, I've not, um, I haven't watched it. I've just read everything about it. <laughs> And we were like, oh, okay, well, thank you for reading everything about yeah, it. That's yeah, really cool. And yeah. there was a lot to read about it. I yeah. mean, over the, it was, it was really, 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 um, if any members of the press are listening, uh, it was really well supported by, by media, um, writers, which was so cool and so great. And we're so grateful. Um, just a lot of people that really were like, oh, this is something different. Like two people were like, this is something different. I don't get it. But so many more people were like, this is something different and there's something there and it deserves to be on TV. Yeah. Are you watching? Yeah. You know, so that was, that was great. Um, but yeah, people just have like different ways that they're communing with content these days so i don't know what the future i mean listen those shows are still doing well enough that it's like worthwhile to put a bunch of money behind them and to pay the hosts a bunch of money and you know so i'm not worried about those guys at yeah. all i just don't know like i'm at a point where i'm like i'm at the middle of my life and the middle of my career probably and so i just want to be realistic about like you know what can I accomplish and what gates can we break down? And also, what is it that you desire to accomplish? Right. And what gates do you desire to break down? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know. So, so w what are they? <laughs> well, I think for me, and I think, um, you know, I can't speak for busy, but I think we were really happy to make something that was joyful, that was putting like, it was, it made me feel so happy every day to either read in you know, read in the press or to read on social media, p viewers commenting. And it was almost like they had read our original pitch document. Like it was that people really got it, that this is like, uh, like a Pee-wee's Playhouse meets Mr. Rogers for grownups with margaritas. And you can talk about like a face mask in one second and then talk <sighs> about how like sometimes, you know, 
bad things happen mm-hmm. and you know and we need to take care of each other and, and you know drink. Just, yeah you know <laughs> yeah or not drink or whatever you know and and just be cozy and comforted and be told that uh someone loves you at the end of it that was like you know that's another thing i was interviewed for some some larger piece that was uh talking about everybody's role in late night and um and of course, like, you know, they only use a line or two here or there, but the the writer was saying, like, busy tonight is pointedly not political. And so I said the same thing that I said, well, just being a woman um, trying to do a late night show is political and just being a woman is political. But also I was like, I kind of think it's radical in a way, like her making the choice to look into the camera and say, good night, you guys, I love you yep. every night. That's radical vulnerability that like to have somebody model that on television and to hear so many people be like, I I was with her a hundred times when a stranger would come up and say, I cry every time you do that. And then I realize it's because you're the only person telling me that you love me. And people need that. Oh, my God. You know, (laughs) I know. I know. And it's not even to say like, you know. It's not even I don't even think it's people that are like, you know, relatively like leading relatively solitary existences. I think that sometimes you can be in, you know, you can have a really busy life with lots of people buzzing around in your life and still be lonely. Absolutely. Of course. So I think she was like seeing people, which also, you know. I think also like harkens back to my time with Rosie and with Dave. Like, I think that they were both really remarkable at being able to see people. And I think that busy over the course of six months, when I think when we started, she would have said like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. I'm like, it's a talk show. You know how to talk, obviously. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) how we got here. Yeah. Uh, But she became like a really genius interviewer. And, um, she would do this really clever thing where, you know, we could tape a little bit over. The show is only 22 minutes long. And so we would go a little long. And I would notice that, especially when guests were a little more reserved, which often they are because they're exhausted. And, you know, you know how this is. They're just exhausted and they don't know what this is. And, yeah. you know, um, she would like offer a little bit of herself and say, oh, here's a thing that happened to me when I was 22 years old. Yeah. And then next thing you know the guest is more open and sharing a story from that time in their life. And then we just like go back and cut out busy's story, you know? So it would just be like this really open, you know, wide open, great interview with people saying fascinating things and having a good time and laughing. And so many guests really made it a point to say like, this is the best talk show experience I've ever had. I had such a good time. It was so relaxing. And then so many guests, you know, even if they didn't say that, that it would be like the show would end at three and then it'd be five o'clock and they're still like sitting on that sofa talking. (laughs) And, you know, then you're like, well, that's a sign of someone that had a good time, I think. Absolutely. They're like, hey, can I get one more drink and then I'll get going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was a really nice feeling um, just to have everybody like feel that vibe because that was really important to us when we put that team together, um, that it was just a really loving vibe. And, 
you know, it was the most loving crew. It's a lot harder to get um, such a, a heavily female crew. Um, and so we worked with a lot of men down on the floor besides the couple of men that were on our creative staff. And uh, those guys were great. These are like really, you know, long time showbiz guys and you would think like oh they're gonna be like so grizzled and crusty and like rolling their eyes at all this shit that we're talking about and every day those guys were like the best laughers and would make it their business to come up and be like you know you did a great job that I learned five things I never heard of before. And like, I'm going to talk to my daughter about this. And, you know, so just really, it was really lovely. And um, our director, Liz Planka is like a legend. And we were so lucky. And she put that crew together from, from scratch. And it was so great. So that was really, that was a nice feeling. That's what we wanted to do. And we accomplished that. Well, I, I really hope all Arthritic, arthritic fingers crossed that it, it that busy tonight finds a new home. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Like, Something. I mean, and I think that you're incredibly talented and um, just a beautiful being. And we we need as many beautiful beings as possible. And in in this industry and in the world. So thank you so much. I feel the same about you. So. So, I received that. Oh, uh, I'm I just so proud. That. Like it, you could you could be a real mess, Heather. You know, <laughs> working since you were a little kid. <laughs> I was like, who have you been talking to? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. You've been doing this for since you were a real little. I've been kid. doing this since I for I attend next year. It'll be thirty years. Yeah, you know. It's wild, and like, and that's a really long time. And I'm sure you've just met a lot of tough customers in your in your life, and you know. And so it always makes me so proud when I see someone that has their head on their shoulders so properly. (laughs) I I receive that. I I work on my posture. Um, I I have a neck device. And you're just such a good person. You're just such a good person. You're like such a nice friend to anyone that needs needs a friend. And you've been a friend to me. So I I received that. Thank you. I really, I really, really do. Um, Would you, would you come back? Of course. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, okay. That sounds, that sounds good. I'm, I'm pausing because I'm like, is there something else that I'm like forgetting? I don't know. Is there? I mean, if there is, it's you'll come back and we'll discuss it next time. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you. Casey St. On, on, on. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah? Yeah. That, okay. Do you know um, Jessica Lignato? Don't. So she's an astrologer and she's like, it's like her and Shawnee Nichols, I feel oh, like are yes, the two yes. massive astrologers that are everywhere. And she was on um, an episode of mine. And the, the correct way to pronounce her last name is Lignato. But because I'm so literal, sometimes with when I see words, I was saying Jessica Laniadu. <laughs> <laughs> 
I said it three times before she was like, it's Lignato, but <laughs> Lanny Adu is great. And I'm like, Xanadu, Lanny so Adu. Busy would super identify with that because she would like get, we would get into her head being like, it's Megan Mullally, Megan Mullally, Megan Mullally. Not Mullally. Who's like a friend of hers, yeah. by the way. And then she'd be like, it's Mullally. <laughs> it's Mullady. <laughs> and then she'd be like, did I, I did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but if we had just left her alone every time, I'm sure she would have gotten it. But once someone starts telling you, I think it's this. I think it's no, this. I know. I think I it's know. this. I know. But you know, it's that old thing that you were like reading it, and so you were just sounding it out the way that you read it, yeah. and you know, yeah. And it's it's those French names. They get yeah. They do. <laughs> they do. They get me. <laughs> um. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And stuff. And um, until next week, be well as I eat this mic. <laughs> hit it in my face. That's why I'm a lesbian. <laughs> I don't do that. I can't. But be well. Bye. <laughs> so fun. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Oh, thank you so much. How's your married life? I mean, I'm still married. <laughs>